and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I'm delighted to have as our guest today, Armin Lobato. Armin has been in produce for many, many years in a variety of roles, including several on the retail side, from a clerk to a manager to a supervisor to a buyer. More recently, he's, of course, been with the Idaho Potato Commission on the food service side. But as that old saying goes, you know, there are some folks who have forgotten more about a given profession than most people will ever know. And Armin, I would say, is definitely in that category for produce retail. So, Armin, thank you so much for joining us again and welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Ashley. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Armin, something I've observed often over the years is particularly in that produce manager role, but on up the chain as well, there's so many aspects to the job, but people management in and of itself has a whole lot of tentacles and interesting things that come along with it too. So I want to take you down memory lane for a second first here. And when you moved into your first produce manager role, how much training did you get on how to deal with people, which is kind of a big part of the job managing the team? You know, it, Ashley, it's, it's funny that we're, we're on this to- topic because um, managing people is probably the hardest uh, part of any job uh, when, you're, um, when you're leading a group of people, even as an assistant or a produce manager or any other role. And, and it's very transferable. My, my first mentor, uh, produce director, when he first got into produce, he shifted over into produce at a high level. And, and uh, you know, he didn't know much about produce, but he knew how to handle and manage people. And, and he was able to uh, go through the uh, ranks uh, rather quickly and ended up at a very high role in the industry, not just in retail, but he shifted to the supply side. And I think that's his, that was his, uh, his biggest strength was just being able to, to analyze situations and read people and, and get the best out of people. Um, he uh, to, to be a good boss, but still uh, have high standards. And so it was, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's not an easy um, skill to attain, uh, but uh, but it's it's so important. And did you did you get any kind of training on that when you first moved into that initial produce manager role, or was it learning on the go in in that aspect in particular? Would you say? I'd say it's more learning on the go because you do a lot of different things in your training. Uh, uh, we even have training uh, charts where you where you go through uh, certain aspects of the job. And most of it is the more of the technical things like inventory and, and, uh, and productivity and product knowledge and so on. So those are more of the technical side, but dealing with people is not something that's, that's necessarily um, uh, teachable. I mean, you can pull, pull someone aside. I had an assistant once that, um, that was not popular when I first went to a store. And she says, I don't know what these people, what these clerks are, are doing. I have, I have written them up. I've put notes in their file. You know, she is, you know, she, she, she was quick to point out that she was hard on the discipline side. And, you know, my first reaction was, well, have you just tried talking to them first, you know, cause you know, maybe there was a step or two and I knew she meant well, but, um, uh, and, and then it turns out that, you know, really all you, I think most people want to do a good job, 
but uh, but it's it, it. But if you if you jump on them right away, and and uh, and especially if you're not a, a leading or a good leader, where you know you're not afraid, you know, to to to, to do a task, um, then 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 it's hard for the for the people that are working for you to do the same thing. I I worked for one guy once that that you know all he did was walk around and tell people what to do, and sometimes that 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 works and sometimes that happens but you know he was the kind of person that would walk back and and everybody was busy and he would say you grab a broom and sweep the floor and they would look at him like well why don't you grab a broom and sweep the floor and you know if, if you need help with something we'll help you but but it was more like um dictating instead of you know and especially in the produce department because uh, produce managers are working managers and and they tend to to have a little bit of a the tasks themselves so if so if they're working and something it's it's a lot different for them to say hey joe why don't you take care of this while they're working because you know then it's more of a team thing instead of a uh, i'll hold the clipboard and you do all the work kind of thing so so now to answer your question not much training i mean you you, you get a feel for things i mean every crew's a little different but but uh but you 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 try to appeal to their uh, good nature, their senses. You you lead with by example, um, and, uh, uh, and and I, I think once once the team realizes that 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 you that we're all on the same team, we're all trying to achieve different things, then it's a lot easier. Especially if you tell them up front, hey, today this is our list of things we got to do. And we, meaning you, me too, and, you know, we all have to pitch in and get this done, you know, then it goes much smoother than just, um, you know, just, just dictating everything. It sounds like setting crystal clear expectations is a big thing that, that folks in leadership positions can do up front to try and preempt as many conflicts or difficult conversations as possible. Yes. Yep. And, uh, you know, another example is uh, the yearly performance appraisal, because not everybody looks forward to that, and and we have them in produce departments, like like in any business. And the best example I learned was, uh, you know, not to surprise anybody when they had a performance, uh, you know, and even prefacing it by saying, you know, there's nothing on this performance appraisal that you and I haven't talked about already. You know, you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses. That's what I'm putting in here. That's what we're going to cover. You know, and and so at least uh, there's no gotcha moments. You know, and so if you have a performance uh, appraisal and and it's it's exactly what you've been talking about anyway, um, then then um, it goes a lot smoother. And it's also a point where you may not have to sugarcoat it. You definitely want to use that performance appraisal as a point to make an employee feel valued, make them feel like they're an important part of the team. Like we can't, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have the success we had without you and thank them for it. And, and it's, it's, it's just an opportunity to put in writing how much that person uh, means to, to to the organization, and so you know, it, without like I said, without overdoing it or or, or making it sound you know uh, fake or or contrived, it's your it's your moment to say, hey, you do a great job. Uh, yeah, you have to work on these things here, but thank you for the job you do, 
And uh, the next time we, we, we meet, you know, here's a couple of goals where I think you, you should work on and, but, 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 uh, but really stress the positive and really stress that, that, you know, that, that, you, you know, you're, you're, you are valuable and, and, and you make it, ha- you help make it happen. And usually then that employee walks out of the conference room, they're walking just a little taller, feeling just a little better because they've gone through so many appraisals, I'm sure, where, you know, it's just where people just beach up, beach up, you know, you need to work on these, these things here. And it's like, you leave like, man, I'm, I'm not as, I, I, I don't think I'm as accomplished as I ought to be. So, so even though you do have to be honest with them about their uh, performance, you also use it as a, as a point to, uh, to lift them up a little bit and, and, and you know, cause every, everybody needs that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a sign of a, be- a better leader, I think. And you mentioned, you know, whenever you do that, that annual appraisal, of course, like you said, you don't want there to be any surprises. What are some other good like entry points throughout the year to be able to kind of discuss performance? Like you said, in a way that's not like creating dread, like, Hey, let's sit down and talk about your performance together. That might give somebody some anxiety, right? But how do you kind of work in time to, um, I guess, both from like the observation perspective to really get an understanding of what they're doing well and what what maybe they could do some work on, and then also to have kind of those those touch points so that you know they're not surprised when it comes to that year end thing. Right, and a lot of those points come in very informal. Uh, type of uh, interactions, you know, if, if an employee is working, a produce manager may walk behind them, you know, just kind of watching and, you know, not looking over their shoulder for 20 minutes, but just kind of looking and then go, hey, hey, uh, I noticed that you're, that you're rotating this display this way. I want you to do it this way. And uh, here's why, you know, this way it, it stacks a little better or this is the point where you've got this tore down. You might as well, you know, clean it real quick. Might as well put a new mat down so that, so you know, because we're already down to the to, to the display. You know, whatever the point is, and just say this is how I'd like it done. And um, and and so and and so there's a there's a way to convey the things that you want without you know again uh, being a jerk about it. And not that everything has to be like walking on eggshells, but, you know, a lot of times a younger manager, for example, is, um, is in charge of people that are older than themselves. And, and that can be a little more of a, a tricky interaction, but usually the guy, who, whoever it is, usually they say, oh yeah, well, I know that's what I should be doing. And, and just say, yeah, thank you for doing it that way. And again, that, you know, that, that way it's, 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 uh, it's something that gets the message across without, without having to come on too hard. But, and I think I just mentioned, you know, thanking that person too, you know, um, the, there's a point where you thank people too much. Um, in fact, that was a joke at one of uh, one company I worked for where, um, they may, they always told everybody, thanks for coming in. Like if they got called in on their day off or something, thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming in. And it got to be like a little too much, but a genuine, Hey, thank you for whatever it is they're doing, whether they came in early for a shift or they did something the way you liked it to, to them to do, you know, Hey, thank you. 
That's I appreciate that. You know, there's a way to genuinely thank people. And I think everybody knows it, you know, and, and not overdo it. So, but everybody likes to be thanked and recognized that, you know, I know you, I know you stayed a couple of shifts late last week. I appreciate that. Or, you know, or, or whatever the situation, you know, you just take that moment to thank them because that goes a long way with M, with manager and employee relations too. It doesn't have to be a difficult conversation at all, but it, but it's necessary. And you mentioned, and I'm glad you did, because I think um, especially in, in this particular time frame where, where there are labor shortages being felt by a lot of, you know, companies on the retail sure. side of things, that scenario where you may have somebody younger in management, um, who's, you know, managing a lot of folks who maybe have been around for, for longer mm-hmm. and maybe have, have quite a bit more produce experience potentially. Yeah. What were some things that, that you learned over the years, particularly helpful when you're managing folks who've been around there a little longer than you have? Um, I think just showing them uh, basic uh, respect, you know, acknowledging that that they that they have been around and they have that experience. Sometimes it helps for the manager to ask them a question. If you were to do like, I, hey, I, I, I'm struggling with this schedule next week. And I know you used to be a manager. How did you handle the Thanksgiving weekend, you know, something like that, even though that man, the manager may know may, even though the manager may not agree with what he hears for an answer, at least, at, you know, inviting some conversation absolutely helps, you know, cause then they feel a part of it, you know, then they feel like, Oh, I'm not just another um, brick in the wall. I am, I'm, I, I'm, I'm recognized for my, experience and knowledge. And, and so you don't have to, uh, you know, totally uh, go overboard and, and pander to them or what's the, what's the word uh, um, when, when you're panning, <laughs> obviously pandering, but, uh, uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's something that, that if you initiate a little conversation, sometimes that helps a lot or, or, or just, uh, or just helping that person, you know, like if they, they help them be doing a task, you can jump in and like, if they're putting they're, they're breaking down a pallet of stuff, all of a sudden you're breaking down the other side of the pallet, you know, you're, you're, you're helping them. You may not do their, all their work for them, but you know, you might say, Hey, uh, or, or even just, uh, or, or just be basic cordial things like, uh, Hey, you're, you know, when we're done here, why don't we take a break? Or have you taken your break? You know, asking them things like that because then you're acknowledging that that um, that they need that. Another thing that I think helps is um, I know when I was a young produce manager, I had everybody was older than me, and the first thing I asked them was, you know, I have to write this schedule. What do you guys like? What do you want? You know, because some people want it certain days off. Some people wanted to work certain shifts. And, and, you know, a lot of times that surprises them because no one ever asks. And, you know, I said, I don't know what I can do, but if you tell me what you like, I will do everything I can to accommodate that. That way there's no complaining about it. If, cause some, some, uh, somebody may say, Hey, I really want to get off by three o'clock in the afternoon because, because the normal schedule keeps me here till four 30 and that, and I have to pick up my kid at school or whatever, you know, whatever the situation is. And I would say, you know, we can do that, you know, just get all your work done and leave at three and 
life is good because usually little adjustments like that are are completely doable and and as long as you show that you are willing to help them the a funny thing happens because then whatever you ask of them you're, you're you're more likely to get you know like i want all these tables rotated and stocked before you go home you know, if you're giving them the days off they want, if you're working with them, a lot of times, you know, all of a sudden there's that teamwork, there's that harmony. So. And on that front, because um, I, I know, um, you know, it's been a few years since you've been on the, the retail side, but you were there for a long time. Over the, the span of the time you were in retail, did you see that kind of flexibility happen more often or, or less often just with how the industry changed over those couple decades? Um, I, it, I think it depended on, on the manager and who was in, you know, who, who was managing things because, um, you know, I learned a long time ago, there was two main kinds of, of managers. There was, uh, uh, what they called laissez-faire, which is a French term for like really easygoing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there was the, uh, the toe the line, you know, my way or the highway kind of manager. And there's there's room for both. Like like if you're if you're in charge of nuclear weapons, you better be that really hard per type of manager. But we're we're managing produce departments, and things do are serious and need to get done. But to me, there's there's it's it's it needs to be a combination of the two. Where uh, in fact, I used to compare it to of all things the uh, uh, the old television show Mash, because the first Colonel was Colonel Henry Blake, and you want to talk about laissez-faire? I mean, those those guys got away with murder, right? And uh, and, and then Colonel Potter stepped in after so many years, and he was the by the book army kind of colonel, and so completely different styles. And and so I used to uh, like to compare that with management styles. But to me, you needed some of both. You needed to, and and as time went on, I realized that you really need to be more on the on that stern part, but leave yourself some room for the compassion, for the um, understanding, because you're going to need a little bit of both. And and uh, and you, so you have to have high standards. Have to say this is how it's going to be. I want this cleaned every week. I want that done a certain way. I want the cooler to look exactly like this all the time. You know, I want you, you know, you, those are the standards. But then when it came down to, um, can I leave a half hour early? Yeah, you, 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 you make those little compromises, you know, so, so that, um, so that, you know, you have a little bit of, of both kind of styles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was curious too, thinking about, because you mentioned, you know, a, a few different types of, of managers, and I think probably probably this applies to, to any industry, right? You have different types of employees too. You have folks mm -hmm. who show up and they're like, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to make today a fabulous day. And then you have folks who are like, <clears throat> all right, this is how I make my money. I'm showing up, you mm -hmm. know, I'm going to try and do what I got to do. And then I'm going to go and I'm not going to think about it again until I walk in those doors tomorrow morning. What, what works well, do you think, from a management standpoint to, try and support and get the best out of, you know, those two maybe extremes and, and everybody in between. Cause I'm guessing that style maybe has to have some flexibility depending on kind of like what those people really want and are interested in too. 
Yeah, it's it it's a it's a real uh, interesting dynamic. How you read your crew, you know who is strong. Um, in fact, um, early on, um, I remember uh, there there was always the debate of even having, say, women, for example, in produce. Yeah, and and I remember one of the stores I worked, I transferred to. They said, "Don't help the girls. E- equal pay." equal work. And so, uh, yeah, there were some real jerks there. And, you know, I didn't believe that for a second. Um, my, I mean, uh, I have a mother, I have four sisters, I wouldn't want anybody tr- treating them like that. And, and besides that, I'd already worked in crews with uh, women, and they were great produce clerks. Now, their strengths weren't, you know, unloading watermelon bins or building big heavy potato displays and uh but that's not what produce is all about produce is a balance of some heavy things some and and what i discovered was uh, women especially had a finesse you know they could they could build a apple display with really cool looking baskets and red checkerboard uh, table causes background and they did they tended to be more neat and that to me that it was far, far more important than ha- just having some gorilla you know unloading a bunch of heavy stuff but i acknowledge you need both and so it's nice to have a balance but but you see that not only male female but also in what their skills were because there's plenty of girls that could outwork the guys just volume and you know they were very strong so and and there were some guys that you know they, their skills were more finesse too. So it wasn't strictly male female, but it was it was it was how, what kind of skill sets they had, and and some people tended to 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 have those you know you know because of those different skills, you know you could say okay you're really good at these skills I'm going to put you here where skill is needed, or or vice versa, and another thing is. When you're when you're trying to teach people to do things in the produce department, you know sometimes they get into uh, certain um, you know ruts. You know we're all creatures of habit. If I work this shift, I'm going to do these these things. If I work that shift, I'm going to do those things. And so as a produce manager, you need to have as many people have as many skills as possible. So it's okay to pull one of them aside and say, you know, today I want you to work with. Uh, with Jody on the wet rack because she's really good, and I want you to shadow her and have her have her teach some of these things to you, and you know and 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 a lot of times it's like oh well I've never done that before well now today's your lucky day and you can't always do that because of of shifts and time and hours and limitations but but anytime you have an opportunity you it's it's good to be able to do it in fact as a produce manager i knew one guy that said the first 30 days when he would go to a new location he would work every single day he wouldn't take a day off but for 30 days he would work with everybody every shift side by side and and you know, really, just laying out expectations—not in a negative way, but saying, "I'm, I'm your, I'm your, I'm your stocking buddy today. It's you and me." And so, and so, after 30 days, he went back to norm working regular shifts, and that way, it was a lot easier going forward for for him to say, 
hey, remember when we worked together on on uh, this particular uh, table? That's how I want it to look. Remember, and so uh, it was an investment uh, in in his long term success, and and the people his crew really respected him for it. And so I thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. Not, it's not for everybody to do that, but, um, but it was one idea where, where uh, they were able to, uh, uh, you know, work closely and, and, uh, uh, and, and convey all the things they wanted to in a positive and uh, way so that they could build productivity and speed and so on. And, and when you do see somebody that's not really not, not happening, you know, maybe they're just, it looks like they're just so slow, you know, you can walk up to them and go, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, like, like you say, okay, and then you give them tips. Okay. You're not stocking very quickly. Here's a few tips. You get your, your, you get your, your box close to your work. You know, sometimes you'll get people that, that take an, an orange and then they go over here and put it on the shelf. You know, you know, so it's like, get that box right here. You have good enough hands where you can grab two, four at a time, boom, 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 boom. And then, you know, or, or you, you know, you build your whatever, however it is you do it. And, and, and at the same time, you're looking up, you're looking around the department. Oh, make sure those bananas don't go empty. That takes priority over what you're doing now. Oh, don't let that lettuce display go empty. Cause this this is secondary compared to that, or there's an ad of ad display of grapes. Keep an eye on that. You don't want that to, to run out. And so you teach them to not only be, you know, pick up their pace, but look around the department and be aware of other things that are going on. But those are, those are just things that you coach as a, as a manager. That makes sense. And I love the example of uh, the detail you mentioned where, you know, if, if you aren't side by side with somebody, you won't necessarily notice that, you know, they, they've got their cart a little bit further away. And so every movement is a little bit slower mm-hmm. than it needs to be. And, and you can't offer that tip to, hey, just scoot that a foot closer, pick up a couple at a time. You know, it, it makes sense to be, you know, it, that that kind of right alongside them kind of coaching is is so valuable. I remember once I wrote about. Uh doing the one case shuffle. So, and, uh, and I'm, you know, first thing I always gave my, I, my new crew was a little, uh, little pad of paper, you know, like those little, those little spiral notebooks that fit in your shirt pocket. I would give them one of those. I'd give them a, a, a store directory. Cause we had printed store directories of where things were make sure they had, you know, maybe some, uh, a little pad of, uh, of, of refund tickets in case they ran into a customer that said, Hey, I got a bad watermelon. You can just do it on the spot. Here you go. Get a free watermelon or here's your money back. You know, assuming they had the uh, uh, freedom to to do that or the authority, but another, uh, you know, you want to keep them in the department. If someone says, Hey, I can't find the capers. It capers aren't a produce item, but it's in the grocery store. Well, everyone should know where the capers are, right? So, or some people are saying, what's a caper? And, uh, but sure enough, if you have it in your pocket, you go, oh, I see it's in aisle 12. It's with the pickles and stuff. Okay, well, at least, and, and some some chains will make you walk them over and stuff. But but I think for the most part, if you're busy and say, hey, you know, most customers are good with that. But but the other thing is is having that pad of paper you write down, okay, for my next load, I'm going to bring out uh, six cases of oranges and 
three Bartlett pears and I see the garlic is low. So I'm going to grab a case of garlic. And so, and people will say, I can remember, I can remember things. I, and I think, well, maybe if you can, good for you. But I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to, because then you're repeating as you're going back going, three, so many cases of, of oranges, of the gar, of pears, of garlic. And I guarantee by the time, if you just try to remember it, you know, and then you get distracted or, or, or you, you help somebody point out where the capers are and you forget what you're going to, what you need. And so, uh, so many times there's been an uh, instance where I see clerks going to the back room, loading their cart, bringing it up and they go, oh, I forgot the garlic, you know, and then they, they go and it's like, oh, that's, and you, you take those little wasted times to run back to the back room to do something and you multiply that times the course of a shift and uh, it's a lot better if they just if if they make every um, trip count especially if the produce department of produce back room is four aisles that way and way in the back and it takes it ta and when it's crowded it takes a while to wiggle through the to all the people. So, so if, and, and, you know, nobody's expecting them to be lightning flat fast and knocking over little kids or anything, but, you know, uh, but, you know, trying to be as efficient as they can. And once they are done, you know, they have a routine where they, where they stock, they, they detail things, they know what they need for the next trip. Um, they're routinely getting rid of their trash or whatever it is they're, they're needing to do. And so they have this, uh, this regular cycle of stocking, restocking, and so on, and even planning like, okay, when I get this table done, I, my lunch is, is already running 20, 30 minutes behind. When I get done with this, I'm going to go to lunch. At least they have a point where they know that, 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 that they have a goal to take care of. They, everybody has to set their time and list their priorities, not just for, their, for that, that, that moment, but for their entire shift. Gotcha. So I know um, at the beginning, I mentioned, obviously, anybody in leadership position at some point, you got to have some difficult conversations. What are what are a few that, that come to your mind over the years, just hard conversations you had to have with the folks you were supervising? Um, one particular comes to mind, because there's always there's always a few that you know, there's always a few that uh, like I had one guy that um, he was a good worker, but he also was a, a wanderer. Okay, so he what what he loved to do more than anything was uh, was like like go uh, sign people up around the store for a football pool, or um, or you know some of the fringe things that happen. You know, and and in even though that's good for morale and everything, uh, he wasted an awful lot of time. And so I had to sit him down and say, you know, whatever you do extra like this, it's cool. I I want to be in the football pool just like everybody else, but I don't want you to spend an hour of your day doing this. So I don't want you to uh, to do this when you're working. I want you to if this is important to you to come in a half an hour early, take care of it first and then go to work or do it after work, you know, or do it on your lunch. But, you know, uh, and, and if someone happens to trip through the 
back room. You can sign them up real quick, but I don't want I, to see you dwelling on this. And, uh, and, and he was a long-term employee. And I know that, 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 you know, everything kind of came second nature to him. So I didn't have to coach him much in his actual work, but, you know, it was one of those conversations we had to have because it, it was exactly like that. So, and another person I had once, um, wasn't rotating things properly. And, and uh, he was putting, uh, uh, if you can believe it, green bananas on top of ripe bananas. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, well, I'm colorblind. And I said, well, okay, well, and, and I, I, I wasn't sure if that was really the truth or not. But I said, you know, if I was colorblind, I would make darn sure that I rotated everything every day without question. But you, but, and, and, and so, uh, and he, and he was another one that long-term employee, um, you know, some distractions, that sort of thing. But, but, you know, uh, people, uh, people can get complacent. In fact, there's an old quote. I, if I can remember this, it's, uh, it has to do with habits you know, habits can be our, our best friend or our worst enemy. So, so if you get into bad habits, yeah, and that's and like putting green bananas on top of ripe. Uh, yeah, that's a terrible habit. And uh, yeah, it's going to cost in every way imaginable with sales and profits and shrink. But, um, uh, but so we have to nurture good habits. So, you know, we, and so as a manager, you have those conversations all day long. No, I don't want that this way. I want it this way, you know, and from here on, I want it that way. Um, I worked for one manager. He was a real stickler for all sorts of things, especially uh, cleaning, sanitation. And a lot of times in produce departments, you know, they go, well, that's someone else's job. No, it's everyone's job. And so he had this habit of, of coming in early, straightening the entire department with his legal pad. He wrote down what items needed to be rotated for sure that day, what items needed to be, uh, what things needed to be cleaned for sure that day, and what merchandising changes we had to do for sure that day. That was our little daily goal list. And and at first, everyone was like, ah, you don't need to write me a list. And and I got to thinking, you know, my mom used to write to-do lists. And and with eight kids in the household, it worked pretty good. And so I recognized it right away. And I thought, you know, we have to embrace this. And and sure enough, when when you get to a regular schedule, a, a routine of, of things that you rotate, things that you clean, things that you move around, suddenly... Um, you never really have to play catch up because you're always ahead of the game. And so when the big supervisors, the district managers used to come in, you know, with their white glove, we didn't have much to catch up on. We didn't have a, you know, one of those quarterly, you know, uh, big cleaning projects because he was already on top of it. Once a week, we clean the rack. Once a month, we tear this table down. Once a month, we tear that table down. And, and we clean it and we reorganize it. And when you get in a habit of, of, of those kind of things, um, it's not so bad. In fact, it's a good way to get extra hours because when, when store managers say, well, we have to cut, you can say, well, we're on this schedule. 
um, you don't want me to cut back on cleaning, do you? Again, store managers love a clean store, especially the district managers. So you're more you're more apt to keep the hours you have if you're able to say, this is how I'm using them, you know, and and so and and they see it and they and they don't have to um, go around and bark at people for not keeping things uh, cleaned up. So um, so yeah, it was a great example of of a manager that said, this is how I want things done every day. And every day we did that. And when I became a produce manager, I took that philosophy with me. And and at first people pushed back and said, oh, you know, Mr. Clean, you know, but it's like, but after a while, I think clerks appreciated working in a clean environment. They appreciated, uh, you know, um, a, a certain discipline and because they already knew the expectations and and they followed them they yeah much much more readily and eagerly than if you just have a store where well it just came in and stocked and there's no no rhyme reason no guidance yeah so completely different styles of uh, of of management so one more for you armand i want you to think of the the best leader you ever worked for what made that person so awesome to work for? Oh, well, that's, I think that's actually easy. Um, and, uh, and that was uh, Mike Aiton. He was our produce director at the King Super chain that I worked for. And Mike really, uh, he, 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 he as supervisors, he, he let us uh, do our, you know, make our schedules and, and do our work. But uh and he would only occasionally have to intervene and say, hey, can you do me a favor? I need you to do this or I need you to do that. But, uh, um, uh, but he, he would always end every conversation with, is there anything I can do for you? You know, and what boss says that, you know, and it's, uh, he, he would say, say that and it would floor us all the time because you knew that he meant it. And you knew that if, if you were to say, well, there is this thing that I'm concerned about and he would listen. And, and so that was an amazing part of his leadership. And, and, uh, uh, and, and a lot of times after we had, you know, worked for, Oh, at least a couple weeks straight without any time off, you know, setting up a new store or a remodel and stuff, he would, he would be the first one in the store and he would look around and he would never be critical because, you know, he would like our, our work but he would always put his arm around our shoulder and say, looks great. And look in the eye and say, when are you taking a day off? You know? Yeah. It wasn't about what are you doing next? What's, what's going on? Any of that kind of stuff. It's when are you taking a day off? And he meant it like, like, you know, like you, and you better be planning a day off or two very quickly uh, because uh, he didn't want to burn people out. And he, he had the same compassion for the people in the store, you know, a, a produce manager going through a new store or remodel, they were in the same shape and he wanted to make sure that we had somebody scheduled to cover from another produce manager so that that person could get two days off to go home to, to recharge. And so very compassionate that way. So, uh, so yeah, that would, that would be the, the best leader, but I, but I had other really, really good leaders too. And, uh, but yeah, that's the one as far as retail goes, that comes to mind, like, like, my goodness, you know, he's, uh, that, and everybody loved Mike and, and, uh, 
and, 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 but he had certain qualities about handling people, recognizing um, situations. And, and he also had a great sense of humor too. You know, in fact, I remember when I was a part-time clerk and he was the supervisor, it was years before I became his, uh, you know, working under him. And I had just gotten off at school and I went to work at the, at a nearby store just to fill in. And the place was a wreck. And I mean, it was completely in horrible shape. Looked like nobody had stocked it in hours and it was busy and, and Mike came in the store and he looked around and he looked at me and he said, Armin, you need a, a broom on the sales floor and a shovel for the back room. <laughs> that's how, that's how bad it was. And I, I always remembered that. And I thought, because I explained to him, look, Mike, I, I just got here. And, uh, and he knew that, I mean, that, that happens sometimes where, where a, a store will just let everything go and they, oh, the, the, the night guys will take care of it, you know? And uh, yeah, that happens in a lot of businesses where they save it for the next guy. And so he was a big believer in, you know, not doing that, of course, but, uh, but yeah, just, just the way he said things sometimes was, uh, was very, uh, very funny and memorable. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Armin, so appreciate <laughs> your perspective as always on all, all these different elements of, of managing people and I appreciate you sharing so many different examples and, and stories from your experience. Cause I, I do think it's one of those things that, you know, probably in a ton of management jobs, there's all these little technical details. There's all the strategy and the planning and all those kind of things, but the, the people part of it is so essential. And I think sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, maybe folks don't get as much training as they should for that. Cause it requires all, like you said, all kinds of different skills and strategies and it varies from person to person and environment to environment. And uh, yeah. so I'm glad we got to talk about it. Me too. I, uh, I, in just a, a one quick closing thought, it reminded me of, you know, a good leader um, is, is somebody that does, you know, indeed lead or, 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 or pull along their, 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 their employees. Um, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, you know, the general, he once explained leadership. He said, by holding up a string, he said, if I push this string around, I can't make it do anything. But if I pull it, it will follow me everywhere. And I thought, well, that's, that's an interesting little bit of philosophy from somebody that organized D-Day and later became a president of the United States, you know, so, yeah. um, you know, yeah, to, to me, that was, there's a lot to be said about being a puller, not a pusher. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Armin, thank you again for joining us today. Thanks to everyone for listening and, and being part of the conversation with us. And we'll see everybody next week on the Produce right. Retail Podcast. All right. Thanks, Ashley. <laughs>